Augustine, the great believer and theologian, was a renegade boy but could not escape, he said, from the prayers of his mother, Monica. (laughs) Some of you fit that criteria. John and Charles Wesley, out of whose hearts and minds came the Methodist church, had a mother whose name was Susanna. If you want to know who the real mother of Methodism is, it was her. She raised those kids for Jesus Christ. And you may have read what Billy Graham said about his mother. So it's just, it's a great thing to be able to say Happy Mother's Day, isn't it? And uh, this is specifically only for those who were born from a mother. Happy Mother's Day. Four young men, Bible college students, shared a house together. It was a Saturday morning and someone was knocking on the door. When they opened it, there he stood. A bedraggled-looking old man, eyes marbleized, a silvery stub of whiskers on his face, ragged clothes, shoes that didn't match. In his arms was a wicker basket of unappealing vegetables that he was trying to sell. Well, they felt sorry for him, so they bought some of the vegetables just to help him out and then sent him on his way. And, And wouldn't you know it, after that, every Saturday, the doorbell would ring, and there he was with his basket of vegetables. And the boys would always buy a few, and and they got to know him a little bit, invited him in to visit uh, before continuing on his rounds. They discovered that his eyes looked marbleized because of cataracts, not drugs or alcohol. They learned that he lived just down the street from them a little ways in an old shack there. And that they also found that he actually loved the Lord loved to play his harmonica and sing Christian songs. And so they would invite him in on the Saturday morning. He'd play his harmonica, and they would sing some, some songs together. And they actually began to become friends. And the college boys got together and said, man, what can we do to help him out? And they, they concocted their little plan and put it together. And that next Saturday, he came over in the morning, and in the middle of all their songs, he all of a sudden stopped and said, God is so good. And they all said, yes, God is good. God is good. And he, he went on to say, you know why he's so good? And they said, no, tell us why he's so good. He said, well, I, I woke up last week, and there on my doorstep were boxes of clothes and shoes and, 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 and coats. And they, and they said, yeah, God is so good. And they're looking at each other, just grinning like crazy, you know, that, that smile of knowledge of what was going on. And then he said, but God is so good. And they said, yeah, we know he's so good. You just said he is so good. But, but, but even more than that. And they said, well, what, what could be more than that? He said, well, I, I found this family who really needed those things, and I gave them all away. <laughs> the old man was actually giving to God, wasn't he? Yeah. Did you know that every gift, every gift we give to God, he first gave to us? Every gift. Today we are continuing on our series of changes and we're looking at the lives of people from the Bible and we're saying what went on in their life that we can learn from. And this morning we are looking at an Old Testament historical event about giving, great giving. It's a story about a lady, a woman named Hannah, a mom, who turns out to be a mom. And you can read about that story in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. My prayer is that we will learn how to apply some of the things that we hear and look at in this story to our own lives. And one of the things you're going to see is that giving sacrificially to God changes us. You'll see that big time. 
Now, this morning, I, I'm going to kind of just capsulize what goes on here. I'll let you, as opposed to last week, where we kind of went through the Scripture verse by verse. And so you can read it on your own. I'll give you a little highlight of where they come from. And here's an example. So in verses 1 and 2, we find out that Hannah was part of a family where her husband's name was Elkanah, and there was another woman involved, another wife. He had two wives. At that time, in the Old Testament, in the, under the Mosaic Law, it was okay to have plural wives. They found out, as you read the Old Testament, you will find out that it usually leads to trouble when you have more than one in the house, but that's just the way it is. And so uh, her name was Peninnah, and Peninnah, uh, she had children, and, um, and Hannah did not. This was a time when the judges ruled Israel and there was a lack of restraint from the people and a lack of respect for God, largely across the nation as a whole. But as we read in verses 3 and 4, that wasn't true for Elkanah and his family. He was very serious about the Lord. He would take his family up every year to the tabernacle at Shiloh and they would spend time to worship and bring sacrifices to God. We read in verses 5 to 6 that Peninnah had her children but Hannah did not, and Peninnah was not kind about it. She actually harassed her with the fact that she did not have children. I think maybe because it was very apparent that her husband Elkanah actually liked her better than his other wife who had the children, and so Peninnah used her children to kind of make fun of Hannah and make Hannah feel less than, and she implied that God was punishing her and that God didn't care for her in the way that she teased her. In verse 7, we find out that Hannah went through a period of time like this. It might have even been years when, when she seemed to forget. She seemed to forget that what matters is God's opinion of us, not other people's opinion. Hannah is not alone in that, that we need to keep our mind on God's opinion of us, not other people's. In verse 8, we find out that it was a lot worse when they would actually go up to the tabernacle together as a family. That's when Peninnah would get on Hannah so much that she would wind up dissolving in tears and couldn't even eat. She would feel so bad about it. Elkanah would come up to her and remind her and say, no, no, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And, and, and aren't I better than ten sons, he would say? She never answered that question, so I'm not sure that she thought he was better than ten sons. But, but she continued to pray. And she continued to pray. And even in her grief and disappointment, she did not turn away from God. She demonstrated a key attribute for us to learn in our relationship with God. And here's the key. Give God devotion even in your grief. Hmm. To actually not just be angry at God for that, but to actually be able to give Him devotion in your grief. You'll, you'll find out because giving sacrificially to God changes us. In verses 9 and 10, we read that one year after, after she had um, finished eating, Hannah went up to the tabernacle to pray. And she is there in the tabernacle praying. And, and she's kind of praying quietly. You know, you can picture her in the, in the tabernacle by herself. It's, it's mostly empty. And she's, she's just praying under her breath. And she is, under her breath, she is begging. She is weeping. She is moaning. She is groaning to God, just begging for God to be able to make a difference here, asking God to just intersect in her life. And, and as she is doing that, uh, the priest, Eli, looks over there and sees her and is going, what is going on with that woman? And so he comes up to her. He presumes that she's drunk. 
And so, and so he tells her, he says, he says, hey, what are you doing drinking here? Throw away the wine. But, uh, but she didn't want to not throw away the wine. She didn't, she didn't want to stop praying. So, so she, she stayed persistent in her prayers to God. I got to stop and ask a question here. I got to stop and ask a question. You stay persistent in your prayers to God. Here's the question. Did God hear Hannah prayer, Hannah's prayers? Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, in fact, in fact, you can read in Psalm 37, 34, 17, and Psalm 69, 33, Proverbs 15, 29, Jeremiah 33, 3, John 9, 31, all that say, yes, God hears, God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. Had God answered Hannah's prayer yet? Ah, a little trickier question. Hmm. I think God had, but no, she hadn't. Why? See, God always answers our prayers. He always answers our prayers. Always answers our prayers. He either answers them no, he answers them wait, or he answers them yes. And here's what happens. When he answers them wait or no, if we don't very clearly hear him, we assume he's not answering, don't we? Yeah. So country and western songs notwithstanding, there is no such thing as unanswered prayer. Okay, although it is a pretty cute song. Uh, there's a yes, there's a no, there's a wait. And at this point, God had said to Hannah, wait. So in verse 11, we pick up on the fact that she, being persistent in her prayer, began to think about how much she wanted God's blessing and what she would do to demonstrate her thanks to God if God would answer her prayer. And so she made a promise. She made a vow to God. She said, God, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you to serve you for his lifetime. That was a big promise. And her husband was apparently on board, as we see later, because he knew it as well. She was purposeful, however, in her promise. Hannah wanted a son. God wanted a prophet. Hmm. Give purposeful promises to God. If you're going to make a promise to God, make it a purposeful promise to God because you'll find that giving sacrificially to God is what will change us. So now we're back to Eli who sees her talking like that and tells her to quit acting drunk. And she quick tells him, no, 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 I'm not drunk. I promise I'm not drunk. I just have this, this burden. I've just been begging God to be able to make a difference in my life. And I've been asking him and, and I'm just in pain with this thing. And she doesn't even tell him what it is. And Eli responds to her. She obviously passed the Old Testament sobriety test because he realized she wasn't drunk. And instead, he gives her a blessing. He says, go in peace. And then he says, may the God of Israel grant the request you've asked of him. So without even knowing what the request was, he basically says, God, would you answer her prayer and give her the request that she's been asking? In verses 18 and 19, she just she, her, she changes completely. She cheers up. She believed now that God was going to answer her prayer and answer her prayer with a yes this time. She was no longer burdened by it. She had left it in prayer with him and let it go. The next day, they, they worship one more time in the tabernacle, and then they go home. And in verses 19 to 20, we find out that Hannah gets pregnant and has a boy, a little boy, a son, that she named Samuel. Oh, she named him Samuel very intentionally. Because you see, Samuel means asked of God and lent to God. 
or given to God. Hmm. Asked of God, Samuel. In Lent, given to God, Samuel. Every time she would say Samuel, she would be reminded, I asked God for this boy. I have given this boy to God. And I am certain as that little guy began to grow, he heard that same thing himself. He understood what his name meant and the calling that was on him. In verse 21 and 22, the family is getting ready to go back to the tabernacle again. And she says to her husband, Elkanah, I will wait until the baby is weaned and then take him to the tabernacle and leave him with the Lord permanently. Wow. In verse 23, Elkanah agrees with her and says, whatever you think is best. And then he gives this additional blessing. He says, may the Lord establish his word. And what he meant by that was, may, may God not only protect this little boy and, and, and prepare him for what he has in front of him, but may the whole matter be accomplished as God would want it to be accomplished. They were both demonstrating their determination to stay committed to their promise to God. Man, it just, makes me, just reminds me that we need to keep our promises to God. We need to keep our promises to God. What promises have you made, if any, and have you made good on them? Verses 24 to 25, we read that the child was weaned, and the, the opinions vary on that as much as maybe three years old by, by time they, she actually brought him to the tabernacle to present him to Eli. And I want to stop for a second and have us just think about the emotional, mental state of incredible, bitter sweetness that Hannah must have been experiencing. She's back in that tabernacle where she poured out her heart to God, where she prayed so desperately those few years before. And now God had answered her prayer in an incredible way. And, and now she was there with her son, her only son. In fact, her only child. And she was about to leave him permanently in the care of someone else to fulfill her promise to God. And yet, she didn't whine. She didn't complain. She didn't talk about what God would owe her because of what she was doing for him. Instead, when we read about it, we read that she actually brought additional sacrifices she brought along a bull that could be slain and sacrificed to God. She brought along some flowers. She brought along some wine as additional sacrifices to be able to present those to God along with a living sacrifice, the gift of her son. Giving sacrificially to God changes us. And this tells me that she didn't for a minute think that God owed her something or was in debt to her because of this gift she was giving. She saw it as her completing the promise that she had made to God. It was almost as though these other sacrifices were to say, God, would you also accept this living sacrifice of my boy and protect him and guide him and let him live his life completely for you? Did you know, as I think about it, I think all of our big commitments to God and even our big commitments to others require sacrifice. Think about it. Every big commitment you've made, I think, I think when you think about it, you'll find that virtually all of them require sacrifice. 
I think that's one of the reasons that God puts such a high premium on our commitment and our sacrificing things. Our sacrifice for God shows our commitment to God. Our sacrifices for Him shows our commitment to Him. Hannah sacrificed, and she stayed committed to God. Verse 26 and 27, Hannah sees Eli again, the priest, and he asks if, she rem- if he remembers her, reminds him of the situation and of his prayer for her. And then she tells him how God answered the prayer. And then in verse 28, she drops the big one on him. By the way, this is my son. This is what I prayed. This is how I am fulfilling my promise. He is now being going to be put into your care. Yeah, yeah, you got to have a priest who's willing to be open to God too, don't you? And to realize that every gift we give to God, He first gave to us. She responded honorably to God because she gave back to God the very blessing He had given her. You see that? Note this, she did it with praise. Give back to God His blessings with praise. God dumped some blessing on you. God, what can I give you back of the blessings you've given me? And what can I give them back? How can I give it back to you with praise? The parents up here today are standing here with their babies and they're, they're dedicating them to God. They're saying, God, you've given me this gift. I'm giving it back to you right now. And I'm committing to be able to, to raise this child in a way that they'll understand who you are and they can have that relationship with you and they're yours. And I'm asking you to protect them. Put your covering of protection over top of them as my God, as their God. I'm going to give back to God his blessings with praise. Now you go to that second chapter and you read the first 10 verses. And the first 10 verses are Hannah's prayer of praise to God, of thanksgiving to God. Now listen to this, gang. Her prayer of praise is as she is leaving her precious gift of her son at the tabernacle. Wow. Wow, what a heart of commitment to God. What a love story. What a love story. God responding to Hannah's crying out in desperation and asking God to give her the great gift. And Hannah responds to God's great gift by giving the, becoming a great giver and giving him back to God. Great gift giving born out of what was great grief. God turning great grief into great gifts. To see the blessing and then to give the blessing back with praise. What a love story. Giving sacrificially to God changes us. And I thought to myself, what an awesome story to give back to God his blessings with praise. And for a moment, I I, I thought that's all there was. I thought, boy, that kind of caps it off. That's kind of everything there is. And then I realized, wait a minute, no, 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 stop. That's not all. In fact, that's not even the most incredible part. The most incredible part of it all is that after that, after all the fanfare, after all the giving of such an incredible gift, Hannah went home childless. Hannah went home with Penina and her children childless, without any herself. Back into that environment, back into that place of not having children, of back at home without her little boy, back to a home with no certainty that other children were on the way. 
And she went home childless, without complaining, without bitterness. In fact, quite to the contrary, with joy, with delight, with happiness from giving sacrificially to God. Hannah had learned an incredible lesson that gave her peace and calm in spite of her circumstances. Hannah had learned, watch this, to stay focused on God, the giver, not the gifts that he gave. This is so important, friends. Stay focused on the blessor, not the blessings. Stay focused on the giver, not the gifts. Uh, a number of years ago, I was praying with a friend and businessman about his business. It was on the rocks. He was having trouble. He wasn't sure if it was going to survive. And we prayed desperately for his business and said, God, we want, him to, we want you to bless this business. We want him to be able to be successful. We want him to be, able, be an example in the business for you. And we want him to use it for your glory. And would you bless him in it? And God did. Boy, did he. And the blessings began to come in. And, you know, his business got busier and busier. And before long, he couldn't make it every Sunday because he, he had to travel. And then pretty soon he had a difficult time making it in some of the other Sundays because he was still catching up. And of course, small group and so forth was kind of out of the equation because he was just too busy with all of the business that he had been blessed with. And I remember thinking to myself, I wonder when God removed his hand of blessing from his business and the devil put his on. Because you see, I am quite certain that when he began to focus on the gifts and on the blessings instead of the blessor and the giver, that there came a point where God had to go, you know what, I can no longer bless you in that. I can no longer bless you in that because I want the relationship with you. It's about you and me. It's not about what I give you. And about that time, God takes his hand off and the enemy puts his on. I'll keep blessing you as long as you think about that stuff. As long as you get consumed with the blessings, and you don't pay any attention to the blesser. I couldn't help but think of Luke chapter 8 where it's talking about sowing the seeds and they go into four different kinds of soil. And in verse 18 or 14, it said, talks about the soil that, that the cares and the pleasures of this world choke it out. Chapter 2 of verse 21, we read that Hannah trusted God implicitly, kept her focus on the giver, and she trusted him with every detail of her life. And God blessed her with three more boys and two girls. And I believe this. I believe that even in that process, Hannah stayed focused on the giver, not just the gifts, the blessor, not the blessings. By the way, my friend, I continue to pray for him. Oh, he gives now and again out of his abundance. But he's not giving sacrificially. And giving sacrificially to God is what changes us, is what unites us with him. All week long, I've been thinking about this nagging question. What blessing has God given me that I should give back to him. 
I believe there is one answer for all of us, and there is one that's unique to each of us, or maybe more, where God says, this is what I have for you uniquely to give back to me. But we all, all should respond to the blessing of forgiveness and eternal life and for Jesus paying the price that you and I deserve to pay for our sins by giving back our lives to God. In fact, Jesus says in Luke 17, 33, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses or gives his life for me and for the gospel will save it. So there's an exchange there that God's asking of us. And he's saying, I've given you your life. I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who saw you being knit together in your mother's womb. I'm the one who ordained the blessings you have in your life over you. He said, I've given you that. Are you willing to give it back to me? And Jesus says, actually, if we aren't, then we lose eternal life. All, all our gifts to God were first God's gifts to us. And we have to wrestle with that. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I, I, find myself, I find myself going, Lord, Lord I, I've given it all to you. It's all yours. And then I get a little bit down the road, and you know what I found myself doing? Kind of going, and pulling some pieces back, huh? But, but I want, the, but I need, but what about? And God's going, no, 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 can you have, can you hold your hands like this? Can you, can you, can you give me all of yourself and trust me? With that, ah, that's the kind of relationship he's looking for with you and I. Because giving sacrificially to God is what changes us. Now, there may be some other things that you can give that are unique to you. Peter gives us some ideas as those in 1 Peter 4, 9 to 11. He says, cheerfully share your homes with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Some of you need to do that. God's given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then God will be given glory in everything through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. What blessings has God given you that you should give back to Him? As we remember that all of our gifts to God were first God's gifts to us. I want to close today by asking a couple of questions I'd like you to respond to. The first question is this. Do you you know someone, or maybe you are someone, 
who is in a position like Hannah, there is something in your life that you've been praying for, that you've been petitioning God for, that you really want to see God move in. And maybe that's not you, but you know someone who's close to you that you have a burden for for that, for that kind of a thing. If that's, if that's you or someone you know that you'd like to say, I want to lift them up in prayer, I want you to just raise your hand right now, just a second. Just raise your hand freely. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good, good. Now don't forget, now you can put them down, but don't forget you raise it, okay? I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Now then, there are those of us who have realized as we have, as we have looked at this that we have to say, God, I, I, one, I, I want to give myself to you, and I've never really done that. Or maybe I've pulled back. Or God, I've, I've been putting a lot of focus on the blessings you've given me, and I've kind of slipped off of the focusing on the giver. And, and I need to change that. I need to ask you to, to allow me to do that more effectively. And I'm asking you, God, to show me what else I have that I should give back to you with praise. So if you're in that category, I want you to raise your hand. In any of those categories there, good, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of you now who raise your hands for both, here's what we're gonna do. I wanna pray for those things. We're gonna pray together. We're gonna ask God to bless those things together. Uh, one of the reasons I ask you to raise your hand is not just so I can see it, but so you are saying, God, I'm in on this. He sees it. That's a whole lot more important than me or somebody else. So those of you who raised your hands for the first one, I want you to put that hand up so God knows I'm asking for that. You know what that is. You'll be thinking about that as I'm praying. And then, the, and then if you put your hand up for the other one, some of you might have two hands up. That's okay. We can do that in this church, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So let's, for those of, let's put, or if you want to just make a commitment to him, put a hand up right now. If you're watching online, don't be embarrassed. Nobody else is watching you. Put your hand up and do this as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now you see all of the hands. And Father, my heart goes out right now to those who, for Mother's Day, is a difficult day. It brings up painful memories. And I'm just asking you, Lord Jesus, to minister to those people in tremendous ways, to show up, Holy Spirit, and let them know that you have not forgotten about them. That they can even give that pain to you, and you can minister to them in and through that pain. Lord, that, that every hand that's up for anybody in those situations, I, I pray right now for their circumstances that is coming to their mind right now. That you would minister in it, that you would do it in such a way that we'd be able to get the reports and give glory to you for those things. And Lord, the other hands that are up saying, I need to give myself more fully to you. Lord, I'm asking you to show me what to give. I'm asking you to show me how to give, whatever those things are. I'm asking in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that you would direct them, that you would guide them, that you would make clear if there is a promise they need to make, that you'd make clear what that is, and they can bring that to you. Let this be a time where you get amazing glory because of how you respond and answer to our prayers. We're yours, and so we give our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to stand and keep worshiping the Lord. And uh, so would you stand to receive his blessing and then we'll continue to worship and close. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you to give you his peace and his strength so that you can live for the greatest giver under his blessing. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord.